Well, good morning again. We are continuing our series called Useful Lies. Useful Lies. I hope you were here last week. I was not, but I listened to the message and it was awesome. It was really good. Um, And uh, so I I just want to encourage you, if you ever miss a message here, uh, all of our messages are on CD in the foyer. You're always welcome to grab one. We just ask $1 for it to cover our cost. Um, Also, uh, we have our own sermon podcast you can listen to. Uh, And on our website, vfcthomasville.org, all of our messages, both the video and the audio, are there and on our app as well. And so we want to make sure that you get uh, the word in you. Um, So I'm going to go, I'm going to be going a little bit fast. Wasn't it amazing having ZZ sing with us this morning? Wasn't that great? Yeah. And then hearing from the Gideons, wasn't that great? It was awesome hearing what the Lord's doing all over the world. Uh, And so um, I'm going to kind of go through this rather quickly. But I want to talk about what a useful lie is here real quick. We're defining a useful lie as anything untrue that we believe because it's convenient. We believe it because it's convenient for us to believe this. Sometimes um, it it excuses our sin. Sometimes these lies justify our way of life. Sometimes they validate our way of thinking. Uh, But these useful lies always have unintended negative consequences in our lives. And so we want to, you know... uh, Point these out and say, look, even though it's useful to me, it's functional to me, it helps me out, I think we are going to confront these lies because they are just that. They are lies. Last week we talked about, Cynthia shared, the lie that we looked at was I can't make a difference. And we learned that's not true at all. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that you were created to live an extraordinary life. I love that word, extraordinary. We say it like extraordinary. Sounds so British. But it's extraordinary, extraordinary, not ordinary, beyond ordinary, not natural, supernatural, right? And so that's who you're created to be. God's not going to force you to be extraordinary. He's going to issue you the invitation to be extraordinary. Uh, So this week we're talking about this lie, that good people go to heaven. Now some of you may be thinking, now wait a minute, I thought that was true. Good people go to heaven. This permeates, this lie permeates our culture. Even though we, we are, you know, puritanical, uh, you know, Christian, you know, 80%, actually, actually down to 75% now, of people in America claim to be Christians. Um, and yet this idea of good people go to heaven is still everywhere. Um, I, I was actually, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'm just, I'm ready to check out and chill for a little bit. I turn on the TV and... I, I occasionally have been known to watch cartoons. And I love the old Tom and Jerry cartoons. I love the old Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny. I mean, I just, especially the ones where he's playing the piano. Oh, man, it's just so much fun. Uh, I, I love those. I'm telling you, you might be missing some joy in your life. Just go find some Looney Tunes, all right? It's, you're you're going you're gonna to meet God there. Um, so I was watching old school Tom and Jerry. Any Tom and Jerry fans? Okay. And it was this episode, I'd been studying for, for this and thinking about it, and, uh, and it was this episode where Tom dies, and so he's about to be sent to hell because he'd been bad, but they make a deal with him that if he can get Jerry to sign off on a certificate vouching for him that he can go to heaven, but he only has so long to do it. This is great stuff to tell our children, isn't it? And so... 
And so Tom, the cat, is, is trying to chase down Jerry to say, will you sign this? Of course, Jerry's being a punk. That's what he does. And Tom's like going to hit him. And then the, the person from heaven is like, uh-uh-uh, you know. And so, so finally, Jerry decides to sign the document for his pal Tom. But it's too late. And the ground opens up. And Tom falls into hell. And you know the pit bull that's always chasing Tom? He's like poking him with a, with a stick over flames. It's, it's hilarious. And then, of course, Tom wakes up because it was all a dream in classic cartoon uh, fashion. I was sitting there, wow, even as kid, you know, we're fed this, be good, go to heaven, be bad, go to hell. Uh, in 2016, uh, the Barna Group did a survey uh, about the, the, uh, the faith of the United States. And it showed that 55% of Americans say that you go to heaven as a result of being good. The majority. 55% of Americans say the way you get to heaven after you die is by being good. Well, what's so wrong with that? Shouldn't we teach people to be good? Shouldn't we be kind to each other? Of course we should. But the problem is that's not how Scripture uh, defines salvation. Scripture does not teach that good people go to heaven. Scripture says that righteous people go to heaven. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference between being good and being righteous. So let me define righteousness for you. Righteousness is pretty simple. Righteousness is the state of being blameless before God. Righteousness is the state of being blameless before God. God doesn't find anything wrong with you. God has no issue with you. Therefore, you are now righteous. You are in right standing with God. I like to think about it like this. My wife is the fruit whisperer. She goes to the grocery store. She picks up a vegetable or a fruit and she starts thumping it. Listening to it, talking it to it. Do you want to come home? I mean, she starts, she doesn't do that. She's, she's saying, I don't say that. I don't do that. She doesn't. But she's like, like it's, it's like she can know, she like intrinsically knows, like prays over the fruit. Oh, it's ripe now. You know, you know and the avocados, um, she, man, she knows, she knows about those things. She can tell you when they're perfectly ripe. Um, but it's like, you know, when Tiff picks up a banana, inspects it, and there's nothing wrong with it, it's now righteous in her eyes. She can find nothing wrong with it. She can find no blame with it. Maybe there's one over here, an apple, and it's got like an old wormhole in it or something. Or, or maybe it's all dented in because uh, someone dropped it. But, but in the same way, when, when God inspects us, when he finds nothing wrong with us, we are now proclaimed righteous in his sight. Does that make sense? And so it's not that good people go to heaven, it's that righteous people go to heaven. So I want to share with you three things about this. Three things that scripture says about how it's not good people that go to heaven, but it's righteous people who go to heaven. So let me, let me share these things with you. Here's the first one, okay? Righteous people go to heaven, but there is no one that's righteous. Uh-oh. We've got a problem. Righteous people go to heaven, according to Scripture, but there is no one that is righteous. Romans chapter 3, 10 through 12 says, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. No one does good. No one does good. No one is righteous in and of themselves. Romans uh, 3.23 echoes the same idea. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory 
of God. Our best isn't good enough. Our best isn't good enough. In Luke chapter 18, someone comes to Jesus and asks him a question. He says, good teacher, and then asks his question. And Jesus is kind of messing around with the guy, and he says this. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And he's kind of saying, oh, you call me good, so maybe I'm God. What do you think? He's kind of messing with the guy. But we, but we see the same concept validated by Jesus himself when he says, look, no one's good. Look, here's the, here's, the, here's the bad news. If you believe that good people go to heaven, that means that no one's going to heaven. Because there are no good people. And maybe there's a part of you that can say, well, wait a minute. Hey, I'm not half bad. I'm not a terrible person. I'm not saying you're a terrible person. But we're just saying what is necessary for you to spend eternity in the presence of the Lord, you don't have. You just don't have it by yourself. But that's where God comes in. That's where God in his mercy um, presents a way of salvation. And here's the next thing I want you to know is that salvation, including heaven, is by God's grace through faith and not of works. Salvation, even though there's no one righteous, there's no one good enough to reach heaven on their own, that God provides a way. That salvation is by his grace through our faith and not of our works or our good deeds or our own self-righteousness. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, It's for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not the result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this verse kind of confused me for the longest time because it says it's not by works that you're saved, but it's because of works or for works that you're saved. In other words, you you don't get saved because of your good works, because of your good deeds, but but after you get saved, you have good works, you have good deeds because you're his masterpiece. You are the result of the blood of Jesus spilled on your behalf. And so as I prayed over this over the years, the, the Lord has kind of given me this, this, what I like to call the salvation equation. And so I think we have six volunteers that were contacted. If you guys would make your way up here, the six volunteers, I want you to line up all in a row right here, right here in the middle. I want to show this to you. Looking awkwardly. Y'all are doing great. Scoot down just a little bit. All right, take one down, pass it around. I am missing a person, Steph, if you can, that's cool. Oh, he's running down here. Is he running down? Come on. There you go. He's still wet. wet. That's awesome. Awesome. So keep, yep, take one. Now make sure it's upright. Okay, yours is upside down. I'm just kidding. It's the same. All right, now hold them up high so we can see them. So according to Ephesians chapter 2, this is what I like to call the salvation equation. You may have seen me do this before. You're going to continue to see it. I want you to be able to write this out on a napkin and share it with someone. Okay? It's super, super easy. Okay? So here it is. Grace plus faith equals salvation plus works. All right? So this is how we are saved. So in light of the fact that there's no one righteous, there's no one righteous, there's no one that's good, God has provided a way to bring us salvation. So it's it's by his grace. Let's talk about grace for a second. Grace is God's willingness to move on your behalf. Grace is God's activity on your behalf. Grace mixed with faith. Faith is your response to God's grace. So God says, hey, I want you to be saved. And so you say... 
Sweet, I want to be saved. And you come into agreement, and that brings about salvation in your life. Does that make sense? Now, one of the things I like to think of it is imagine you're trying to get into a house or a building, and all the doors and all the windows are locked. And you can't, you can't get in. And you know you're supposed to be in there. But you can't get in there by yourself. You don't have access to it. Well, God, in his grace, sent his son Jesus. And Jesus walks up. He's got a key in his hand. He just unlocks the door. Now the door is open. Now you can get into that building. But just because Jesus unlocked the door for you, does that mean you're inside the building yet? No. Because you've got to actually respond in faith and walk through the door. Okay? And so that's how this works. So grace plus faith equals salvation. You're saved. Now, many of you are thinking, now, wait a minute. Don't you have to act right? Sure. Yeah, you got to act right. But you can only act right. These good works can only happen as a result of your salvation, not in order to get your salvation. So move with me, Keelan. We're going to move you guys around a little bit. And I'm going to scoot you here in between if you all move down. Excellent job. Very good. Now, this is what many of you grew up believing. It may not have been preached like this, but this is what you understood to be true. As maybe you grew up in church, and it was that, hey, God wants to save you, and you need to respond to him, and you need to clean your life up. And then you'll be good enough for his salvation. This is false doctrine. This is not scripture. This is good people go to heaven. And it's wrong. It's, it's a useful lie because at some point you begin to trust in your own ability to do enough good stuff to yield salvation in your life. But you don't have enough good stuff. You can't make it on your own. So we got to bring this guy. Let's get out of heresy. Let's get back into good <laughs> theology. And so then we come back to grace plus faith equals salvation plus works. Works are the byproduct of being saved. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. If you'll put your sheets on the front row, give them a hand. Here's the last thing I want you to know. There are three ways to try to be righteous. Three ways to try to be righteous, but only one works. Only one of these works, and we're going to talk about how this works, and then we're going to have a demonstration for you. Three ways to try to be righteous. Only one works. Here's the first one. The righteousness of the world. The righteousness of the world. This is doing good things. Being a kind person. Random acts of kindness. Doing good stuff. And here's the thing. That's good. (laughs) I'm not saying that's bad. You should be doing good things. You should be kind to others. Scripture actually tells us to do this. But it doesn't make you righteous enough to go to heaven. Because remember, good people don't go to heaven. Righteous people go to heaven. And so the righteousness of the world is like, hey, pay it forward. Do good. Be kind. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll do enough good stuff to outweigh your bad stuff. And maybe the Lord will let you in. Well, that's not what Scripture teaches. That you just simply don't have enough good deeds to earn your way into heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says something shocking. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds 
That of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, who were the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, the scribes were the ones that actually copied. Uh, there were no Xerox machines back there. You couldn't go to Kiko's, you know. And so they would write down the scriptures tediously line by line. They knew the scripture. They knew the scripture way better than you do. And then there were the Pharisees. Oh, my gosh. The Pharisees were so concerned with doing good and being right that they not only followed the laws of the Old Testament, they came up with several hundred additional laws to tack on top of the Old Testament laws just to make sure they didn't break the Old Testament laws. Boy, they were, I mean, if anyone had good works, it would have been them, right? But yet, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds Unless it exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So here's the thing. Good deeds, good works, they're wonderful. You need to do them. But you do them not in order to get saved, not in order to get into heaven. You do them because you have been saved and you're just on your way to heaven. So it's it's a different way of looking at it. It's the result of it. So the righteousness of the world is not a bad thing, but it doesn't give you eternal life. Here's the next type of righteousness. This one doesn't work either. It's the righteousness of religion. The righteousness of religion. I'm using religion in a negative sense. I know there can be positive religion. In the book of James, it talks about helping widows, helping the poor. That's good religion. But negative religion is when you push others down so you look good by comparison. Is when you look down on other people, it doesn't change who you are, but you just want to make sure you're better than someone else. You know, if you're ever speeding on the interstate, you want to make sure you're not lost in line so the cop won't get you. Not that you guys do that. I don't know anything about that. I read about it. Um, But that's the righteousness of religion. Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. This is an amazing passage of scripture. I'm reading it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, then Jesus told this story. To some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Uh Uh-oh. So here we go. These are people that are trying to be righteous on their own. Okay? So Jesus is telling this story to illustrate a point about this. Verse 10. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. All right. This guy knew the scripture. This guy, he man, he obeyed the law. tell you. Way better than any of us. And the other was a despised tax collector. Tax collectors were like the mafia of the day, okay? They weren't just the IRS. They were terrible people, all right? They were just known. They were, they were uh, traitors to their own Jewish brethren because uh, they were working for Rome. Uh, and they would, they would uh, try to extract more money from you than, than you needed. Terrible people. The Pharisee stood by himself. That's important. I can't preach on that right now. He stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Okay, so look, is fasting good? Yeah, yeah, fasting twice. You should fast twice. I should fast like at all. I should. I do. I do. Sometimes. We do give 10%. Tiff and I give 10%. So we tithe. That's good. It's good to do those things. But he, was, he wasn't doing those things because he loved God. He was trying to earn God's favor, and he was trying to compare himself to someone he believed was worse. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. 
dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And Jesus says this, verse 14, I'll tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, this is the problem of the righteousness of religion. It's, it's outward focused. It's not based on inward change. And it says, if I can make someone else look worse than me, I'm good to go. If I can judge someone, condemn someone, then I, by comparison, might be righteous. It doesn't work. It's not a good righteousness. It's a hurtful righteousness. hurtful to you and to the person you're trying to compare yourself to. But Jesus gives us the real way of righteousness, and it's the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus. This is the only type of righteousness that's going to get you access. That's going to, uh, you can't, the good people don't go to heaven, but righteous people go to heaven. And this is the only type of righteousness that works. Romans 3, 21 through 25. I'm going to read this to you in the New Living Translation of the Scripture. And I want you to listen for the phrase, be made right. Made right. That phrase is righteousness. Remember, righteousness is right standing with God or being found blameless by God, okay? So you're going to hear it four times, being made right. Listen to this. Now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God, we're righteous, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You want to be made right? You want to be righteous? That's the way. And just in case you were, anyone was confused, he said it four times. You were made right by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the righteousness of good works is like trying to reach righteousness. If this is righteousness behind me, this... This screen, this word righteousness, and I'm desperately trying to reach it. You know, righteousness of good works is if I was just trying to, to use my own ability, and I can, I can almost hit that. If I try, let me try again really hard. If I try, there we go. I just touched the very bottom of it, but I still didn't hit righteousness, did I? I got a little close. Even if I was the most good-intentioned, uh, you know, giver person out there, I, I just simply can't reach this by my own, by myself, on my own. I can't do it. Tom, will you come help me out? So I get frustrated and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm trying to reach this and I can't. So you know what? I'm just going to push other people down. And so you know, I can't reach that righteousness, but at least I'm not that guy. At least I'm not him. And at least, at least I can employ the righteousness of religion. Because I, just, I know I can't reach this on my own. I've tried my best, but, but at least I'm not this guy. But Jesus has a better way for us. Jesus has righteousness available for us. It's righteousness that's a free gift. 
It's righteousness that by our faith in Jesus, we are elevated into his righteousness in a way that we previously could never do before. And so we've got Jesus right here. Here's Jesus. You see him? Okay. We've got Jesus. And I'm desperately trying to reach righteousness. I've tried to jump on my own. I've tried to to lower someone else by comparison. But what Jesus does is he says, look, I have a way of being righteous. And if you will trust in me, if you will do things my way, then you can attain righteousness. Then you can finally be righteous. Amen? You can be righteous. But it's not your own works. It's not by pushing other people down. But it's by using his ability, his righteousness, taking it and receiving it as a gift on your behalf. This is true righteousness. This is the righteousness of Jesus, where we trust him. How many of you are nervous that I'm about to fall? How many of you are really scared? I'm fine. I'm fine. I promise. Thank you. I made it down. But don't come off the ladder of Jesus. All right, that was just an illustration. How many of you want to go to heaven? Okay, me too. I want to bug you and bother you in heaven. It's going to be awesome. It's really easy. It's really, really easy. Listen to this. Jesus is in heaven. Follow Jesus and you'll go where he is. Follow him. That's what Christianity is. Discipleship, learning to do what he does, say what he says, following him. Are you perfect? No. But he's already given you his righteousness when you believe on him in faith. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to do those good works that are the result of salvation. Jesus is in heaven. Follow him there. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Will you do good stuff along the way? Oh, yeah, because you can't have Jesus in you and not love people. It's actually one of the ways we know that we're in him. Is if we love people. And if you're struggling with loving other people, then what does that mean? You need to try harder. No, you need to get closer to Jesus. You, you need to take advantage, advantage of the opportunity for righteousness that he's given you. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. My final question to you this morning is this. Have you received the righteousness of Jesus? It's not, are you good enough to get into heaven? Because I know the answer to that question. The answer is no. Good people don't go to heaven because there aren't any good people. But righteous people follow Jesus into heaven. What about you? Have you received the righteousness of Jesus? Maybe you're a pretty good person. That's great. You should be a good person. But when it comes to your salvation, God has made a way apart from the works of the law. So what Romans 3 said. God has made a way apart from your own self-righteousness, which is only going to leave you frustrated and angry. And he's given you his righteousness and said, now, come on. Let me show you how how to make this work. Let me show you how to live. If you would, close your eyes. And just in your own words, under your breath, ask the Holy Spirit. Have I received the righteousness of Jesus? Or am I still trying to do this on my own? Ask him. Take a moment.
And while everyone's quiet, while everyone's contemplating, I want to ask a special group of you something. Now, we all need to reapply the righteousness of Jesus. But if you've never, if there's never been a point in time where you've said, I want to be with Jesus forever. And I understand that the only way I'm going to get there is not by my good works. It's not by judging others and pushing them down by comparison. But it's by receiving the free gift of God's righteousness through Jesus by simply believing and following him. If you've never made that decision to, get, to take on the righteousness of Jesus and you want to this morning, we're not going to embarrass you. I'm going to give you instructions later, but I want to know that this is your first time so we can celebrate with you. If that's you this morning, raise your hand real high so we can see you. And we're going to celebrate what God is doing in your life. Just lift your hands high. I want to lead everyone in a prayer. I want everyone to pray this after me where we give God the opportunity to move in our hearts and to produce his righteousness in us. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you have the righteousness that I need in order to live forever. So I give up on my own way. I don't trust in my self-righteousness, but I trust in your righteousness that you freely give on my behalf. And as I receive your righteousness, you'll give me good works and I'll begin to act right and do good things. I promise I will not try To earn my way through the righteousness of the world or the righteousness of religion. But I rely solely and completely on Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.